as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. New ambulance service provider for the city of McAllen on the way. And a clarification to some recent information that was doled out related to this. Roy Rodriguez is our city manager for McAllen. Roy, welcome back to KURV. So tell me about this transaction and shifting gears when it comes to ambulance providers. What's, what's the latest information from City Hall? Yeah, good morning, Sergio. Uh, what what's happened here for over a year is uh, we have been in communication, constant communication with Medicare, our current provider of ambulance services, because they had not been meeting uh, stipulations in their contract, and so we were attempting to at least get a plan uh, on how that was going to get back into compliance. And to be honest with you, at the beginning of this discussion and negotiation, I, I never thought that we would be switching ambulance services. But the situation became worse and worse, and, uh, and, and to the point that it was, it was apparent to us and obvious that not only were they not going to get into compliance, but that there was no effort to do so. When you say compliance, what, can we understand what the issues are that um, were being talked about? Sure. I mean, there were three main issues. Uh, Two of them are are related, and that's response times. Uh, Response times from the time a 911 call is made to the time that they arrive at a scene, and that's a priority one or a priority two call, uh, and they were not making that. Priority one required that they be on site within eight minutes, and not 100% of the time, only a, a, a high percentage of the time, I believe, for that one, you have to be there 95% of the time. You have to meet that criteria. Uh, another element that, that is crucial to us is that it required Medicare to have eight units, eight ambulances inside the city limits of McAllen at all times, 24 hours a day, so that they were able to make that response time wherever a call came from. And they just were not doing that. And uh, unfortunately, uh, for like I said, for over a year, it began with seven and then six and then five. And uh, the city commission became, um, you know, very concerned and, uh, and, and were requesting that the city staff and myself come up with a solution. And so when those discussions continued, um, Medicare began to advise us that they were not only not only were they not able to comply with with those uh, time description uh, descriptions and number of units, but also that they needed uh, to get paid. And so, traditionally, historically, I should say, in McAllen, uh, there has been a, a zero subsidy by the city. That doesn't mean that they don't get paid. I mean, this is a for-profit 
company that gets paid through billing. When they pick me up or you or anyone else in the community uh, for on an emergency, they, they bill that um, that person and that person pays. And so they were getting paid. This, this uh, description that I heard in the community the last few days that they were doing it at, at you know zero dollars period end well that's just not true nobody's going to do that and so uh then the big negotiation was those dollars and we went back and forth and back and forth for several months uh and had several meetings uh up until a week ago last friday when we asked them to put their proposal in writing uh actually their their counter in writing because we had a proposal and uh, their their counter was very unreasonable. They okay. wanted to go from zero dollars to four point eight million dollars a year. Roy Rodriguez is our city manager for the city of McAllen. And Mr. Rodriguez, Tim Sullivan here. Um, Medcare's owner operator has indicated, I believe, a, a willingness to reopen negotiations, and I'm getting that from her comments to the McAllen Monitor. Is that still a possibility before the city goes, uh, you know, with another ambulance company? You know, Tim, I saw that. And uh, and you know what? I was surprised when I saw that quote uh, on the paper because not only, um, let's be clear here, not only did the city of McAllen not terminate this contract, but, but their proposal in writing said, if you don't take one of these, options um you can accept this letter as our 30-day termination and additionally the last meeting that we had a few days prior to that letter being received um that that same ceo you're referring to Ms. Ontiveros, mm -hmm. on two or three separate occasions in that meeting said i don't see any other way except to give you a 30-day notice of termination so i was surprised that uh, that she said she wanted to negotiate. And so to answer your question, um, we've signed a contract with another company. Uh, we cannot be held hostage that way. And when we felt that kind of pressure, we're like, what do you mean? I mean, we're here to try to negotiate an, a deal here. And that's the, the feedback we, we kept getting. Okay. Now that you've signed a contract with another company, can you name the company that's going to be taking Medcare's place then? Yes, the name of the company is Lone Star. Uh, they've got operations in Texas, and they're uh, ramping up as we speak. And uh, one of the things that's going to happen is that they're going to attempt to hire locally. That's what they prefer to do. They have people here that live here, obviously. And we are, you know, we, we feel very confident that that's going to happen. Uh, in fact, when these kinds of transitions happen, that companies either gain uh, a city or lose one, those same employees that are working in that city are going to be picked up by this new company. Where's their headquarters? Or wh where are they based? They're out of state. Uh, however, they are their nearest uh, operations is in San Antonio and in Houston. Uh, but they've got a very sophisticated system. They've got what's known in the in industry as a smart system. They do, do not have to be local in order for them to manage uh, the operation. Uh, and so as the system uh, is working, 
it's 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 this smart system that continues to gain memory of the, the calls that they're receiving and so on. In fact, Lone Star was doing some of the operations for Medicare some years back. I believe they were actually doing all of their billing uh, for Medicare. So they're very familiar okay. with the operation here. Well, Roy, I know we have a lot on the plate to talk about, but uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Play back for other business here pretty soon. Thanks for your time this morning, Roy. You bet. Our you got it. city manager for McKellen, Roy Rodriguez. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it, it's free. Our state representative from Edinburgh and an expert in transportation issues because he's been chair of transportation issues up in Austin for a while. Terry Canales joining us on the morning news. You were in the news a few days back that you were hoping, trying to clear a transportation project log jam, if I can describe it that way. So take us back a bit. Explain some of the projects that you were concerned about and uh, what was the result of... you know, you you are making this this claim and helping to push this forward. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, so after meeting with local officials and uh, TxDOT and construction uh, companies, it, we realized that um, there was my office realized that there's about three hundred million dollars of projects that money had been appropriated for, meaning we budgeted for it and the money's there but that weren't moving and they had been deemed by our far district engineer and uh, text dot as stalled, meaning they weren't moving. Um, that means we've set aside tax dollars for a project, but the project's not going forward. And so um, we've tried to find solutions. So in doing that, uh, I met with, um, you know, mayors, county judges, engineers, road contractors. And as we talked to each of them, um, we, found the giant efficiency issues in how we're moving the projects forward in our region. Do we not have enough construction firms, enough employees to get this done, or was this an issue of red tape paperwork? One office didn't hand the information to another. What what did you see? Uh, You know, we could sit here for probably about an hour and go over how uh, the problems are from start to finish. Um, they they stem from um, the way that the project's being designed, the way the project's being handled, um, not lack of uh, road contractors or lack of people that can build these things, but rather problems in the process in and of itself um, that are not entirely unique to South Texas, but seem to be worse here than anywhere else. For example, I'll give you 
there are what we call shovel-ready projects, projects that are ready to go um, in, in the state of Texas. There's about a billion dollars worth of shovel-ready projects. The San Antonio district has half of that, half a billion dollars. We have none. And so um, the, the entities that, you know, that you've got to deal with are obviously the MPO, uh, the Metropolitan Planning Organization and TxDOT are the two behemoths in the room. And the question is, are we, pr- are we prioritizing the projects that are ready to go and, um, or are we not? And it seems that we're not only are we not, the projects that we have focused on um, ha- have problems in and of themselves because of the way we do things. Our state representative from Edinburgh, Terry Canales, joining us. Yeah, Terry, Tim Sullivan here. So what are some of those local priority projects that have been deemed shovel-ready but are currently stalled? Um, So the the FAR districts um, stretch it all the way from Star County to Brownsville. And so um, there's some projects, for instance, in Star County, uh, two over $25 million projects um, that were stalled, which are inter- which are integral to the entire Rio Grande Valley. And I say that in, in, in the broadest sense is that it doesn't matter if a project is in Brownsville, in Far, in McAllen, or in Rio Grande, they are all part of a system that's been designed for the future. And so each one of them is absolutely integral to the future of the system. And so when one of them is stalled, it's a problem all the way across the board. So there's, you know, and there's, they go across the entire district. There's some in Santa Rosa. Uh, there's uh, some in the city of Edinburgh. And Edinburgh is actually moving a lot faster, a lot, uh, moving a lot faster. The mayor there is extremely aggressive in, in, in solving the problem with the new administration. Um, and so there's um, a list, and I'd love to share it with you, mm-hmm. uh, but they seem to all be moving now that we've kind of prodded. And, and, and poked and, and said, what's going on? And so we, my office, one by one, started calling and trying to solve every single project. And they seem to be moving. But um, recently, the FAR uh, dot district announced that, I guess because of <laughs> most of the inquiries and, and finding out what the problems, that they're going to take over uh, all the on-system uh, project, meaning they're going to handle the planning, the design, the project development. And so um, that's a good thing. Take over from means, like the regional mobility groups or? Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. From, okay. the, from the local, from the local people. Uh, and that's a good thing because one, well, it makes accountability easier for me and, and people that are trying to move South Texas forward. But it's also important because that means TxDOT's going to pick up the tab, give it, um, you know, leaving a lot of our community dollars to do other projects that we need to get done. So, what do you think can be done to, you know, f- further speed things along? It, does it is it does it require legislation or efforts to, you know, reduce bureaucracy, as, as Serge alluded to? Yeah. So there's a lot of things, and so, like I said, we could go, we could sit here for a long time and talk about it. But we have, my office has drafted legislation. Um, and when you say there's, um, picture it, there's a lot of bottlenecks. And, and there's a lot of ways that we do things administratively. And yet, the bureaucracy of it and the, the way government is functioning as for South Texas and moving it forward 
and the way our communities, uh, there's a lot of improvement. We can get a lot better. And don't get me wrong, there are some people that are doing things right. There's a lot of uh, communities that, that or so it's kind of difficult to understand, but when you build a road, you've got TxDOT, you've got the MPO, mm-hmm. you've got the city, you've got the county, you've got the utilities. Uh, that means internet, uh, sewage, water. There's a lot of people that are involved in a lot of moving parts. And any one of those single entities can completely hold up a, a multi, multi-million dollar or hundred million dollar project because they can't get... Uh, their stuff together, and I say stuff is because <laughs> I, I use a, another word whenever <laughs> when I've been going at it with these people. But, right. Um, so, so every one of those, every project presents a unique problem uh, with a unique person, and so there's a project you could say 70, 80 percent of everybody's doing it right, and all it takes is one person to hold up the whole thing. And so, figuring out how to how to solve every one of those projects individually shows us that the system has points and problems dealing with every every um, every player but in different projects our state representative from edinburgh terry canales expert in transportation issues has been helping out in austin as chair of transportation issues for quite some time now and recently expressing concern frustration with a backlog of projects about 300 million dollars worth locally that need to move along so now with TxDOT taking the lead, as you say, T, or are they the the final decision maker, task master, the one that cracks the whip to make sure to, to get everybody in line, anybody that is claiming uh, right-of-way easement, the utility issues, city, county, all that stuff, or, for example, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the RGV combined MPO, they're in charge of prioritizing the list, right? And now TxDOT... Yeah is the one that's supposed to clear the line, and they're the ones that are supposed to move things along. If it's not moving, then you point a finger at TxDOT. Is that the way it works? Well, at, at this point, for the projects that they're going to take over, they're, since they're the ones saying we're going to take the lead, it gives accountability and it puts it all on TxDOT. But as of now, the MPO, one of the issues that we had with the MPO was um, – when we asked them about the stall projects, the response we were getting from the MPO was, well, we prioritize the projects. We don't make sure that they're moving. Well, as I learned, because this is, there's so many layers of learning and transportation and so much information, well, the MPO also has the authority to reallocate dollars if a project's not moving. So you can't have both of those concepts uh, jive together. If you're telling me that you're the one that picks the priority of the project, but you don't uh, necessarily see it or ensure that it's moving, but you can reallocate it if it's not moving, those don't go together. All so right. you definitely have an obligation to make sure projects are moving if you have sure. the authority to reallocate dollars. And so yeah. making sure that they do all of that is important. Thank you, team. Terry Canales, our state representative from Edinburgh.
News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. From the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, the Valley Chamber is Director Dan Silva, and he spent um, several past several days um, bringing folks in from Austin, giving them a tour of the Rio Grande Valley, the 2023 legislative tour. And for folks not familiar with what the Valley Partnership does every two years during the state legislative session, tell me, what is it and what's the purpose behind that, Dan? Good morning, Sergeant. Yes, so the, every two years, uh, the partnership puts together a tour for all of the legislators that we have up in Austin. Uh, our goal is to try to rev- invite as many representatives and senators down to the Valley. Um, I go up a couple of times and knock on the doors and, and invite them down to the area. Uh, we pick them up in a plane. We bring them down to the valley. We we host them at a hotel for four days. And uh, our goal is to uh, schedule stops throughout. Uh, in, in this case, for this tour, we were in start, we were in Cameron and Willacy County. Um, every session we alternate. Um, so this time we'll start in Willacy County, and we had some stops to talk about uh, different subjects. But really, the the purpose of it was is an educational tour to bring down uh, as many of them as we can so they can experience what is South Texas, who are we, and what are our strengths, what are our opportunities, and what are some of the challenges that we're facing that we can hopefully address during this this year's session. Do you invite all state lawmakers in the Texas House and Senate, or just key individuals that you suspect would be sitting on some committees that might make a difference for us in South Texas, some of the legislation we need? The invitation goes out to all 130 House members and all 31 Senate members. How many did you get this go around? We had 44 members come down uh, and 52 staff members. What did they see? What did they learn as they visited South Texas this go around? So on our first day of, uh, of touring, we went to VTX1 over in Raymondville. We talked to them about, about broadband. We talked to them about rural connectivity issues that we had and uh, really talking about telecommunications and, and, and Internet needs for the region. Uh, we talked about some transportation. Uh, we also had a, a panel that talked about energy, uh, or we had, energy was a topic, and we talked about you know, our local providers. We talked about uh, you know, economic development needs as we expand. Uh, we talked about renewable, reliable energy. Uh, you know, everybody always looks to ERCOT now that you know. If you remember the Valentine's freeze in in 21, everybody's concerned about. Uh, and we have a cold front that blew in today. I think it's freezing up in Austin today. Um, it's on very much mind as to what what are we doing to prepare ourselves. So that was a topic. Um, we took them to the Port of Brownsville. We showed them our deep water port. We showed them what our capacities are. I mean, they were amazed to see that was uh, 40,000 acres of uh, property with, with so much construction, so much development. Uh, we took them to DHR. We talked about health care. Uh, we had a health care panel to talk about the needs in the in the area, our our nursing shortage. We talked about you know, our, our high population of diabetes, our, our high population of elderly, and, and all of the, the care that they need. 
we also took them to uh, to uh, Texas Southwest College, talked about education, talked about college needs. Uh, we had uh, Chief Chavez from uh, the Border Patrol come and talk about border security and uh, you know what we're facing with, with boots on the ground. They were really amazed to, to hear everything that, that really goes on. You know, it always gets publicized that we're this uh, really dangerous area and uh, they were amazed to see just how how well the level to were and, and really some of the issues that the border patrol were facing. So, and then after that, we had a, a panel to talk about education and economic development. Dan Silva is director of the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. They just finished their 2023 legislative tour. They brought down 44 lawmakers and separately dozens of staffers of other lawmakers. Yeah, Dan, Tim Sullivan here. That that last point you made, I think, is real important to change the perception of a lot of people that, you know, the Valley is this so-called war zone. And, you know, they go back to Austin and say, no, no, that's not the case. This is the, this is the front door to the Texas economy. Um, so what do you hope will come out of this visit in terms of legislation that would benefit economic development, health care, education for the Rio Grande Valley? morning Tim <clears throat> well one of the big issues and you're right when they came down and uh, part of the tour we passed by border fence a lot of them did not know what it was a lot of them hear it uh, read about it um, but really that on a two-dimensional level they don't they don't really see how it interacts or, or what what it looks like and when they were able to see our commerce we talked about our cross-border trade we talked about individuals that live on both sides and work on both sides and just really how fluent our community is and our our culture and, and our economy they really saw that Know, that it could be a hindrance if we don't if we don't do it the right way and we, we can't impede that because it is you know it is a lot of what what drives our economy but um, to your question uh, really on the economic development side we had chapter 313 sunset uh, which really was a, a great tool for large investments uh, you know with with tax uh, tax benefits there, there's a need for another uh, deal maker type of economic incentive coming out of the state uh, something that allows for us to compete um, separate ourselves from the other states so when a company is looking at, at their short list they're able to say you know uh, we're going to come to the Rio Grande Valley we're going to come to the state of Texas and um, and that last nudge is given by something that helps them economically and I know that's that's always a, a controversial subject but you know when you have a company come in that creates two three thousand jobs um, you know it, it definitely is uh, it helps us seal that deal uh, other things that we want, you know, healthcare. We we need more money that's given to the schools. We need um, school funding for for nursing programs, for for uh, professors, for teachers. Uh, we need ways that we can streamline getting students through the process, still educated, but be able to help in the hospitals because there is a drastic need for it. Um, for but really on the economic side, making more tools avail- available for us so that we can continue to grow this region. Gotcha. Did you take in to see the big rocket at Starbase <laughs> on Boca Chica? <laughs> we did, yes. We, we drove by. Uh, we had such a large group, it was hard. We weren't able to make a, uh, a, a an official tour of it, but we did stop by there on Boca Chica, and, and everybody got off. We saw the, the rocket garden, um, which is always an iconic image. Yeah. We saw um, their launch facility. We were able to to take a quick stop and take a picture of their or their testing site and it was it was amazing i mean a lot of the lawmakers didn't know that we had that here in texas yeah i can imagine and, uh, and yeah 
Yeah. Look for some of these state lawmakers <laughs> posting pictures at the oh, Rocket oh, Garden yeah. at uh, SpaceX. <laughs> Boy, this is the Rio Grande Valley. Where have we <laughs> been all these years? Yeah, exactly. I bet they left exactly. with lots of smiles. Hey, uh, Dan Silva, the director of the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, our guest. Did any of these lawmakers, uh, when they got in Q&A session, did they throw a question that was uh, a curve? You were not expecting a question like that. Or what did they ask most of when they were down here, Dan? Um, it was a real, a real mix. It was a lot of, um, so we had a hundred new, uh, chiefs of staff, you know, so they were a lot of new on the staffing side and not a lot, really new population. And we had a lot of new, uh, legislators that came down and, and really did just, it was a bag of questions. It, it was, it was an equal mix of, of a lot of things. The, the board of security was a big one, you know, looking at it, seeing our, our development, but we also stopped at, uh, Texas Regional Bank Ranch and they gave us, uh, an in-depth uh, explanation of our produce and the commerce that crosses and, you know, the importance of having, uh, of not having double checkpoint. And um, that gave them the understanding that we had a lot of commerce in the area. So they had questions related to, to that, you know, traffic count. Yeah, how many people the free come flow over. of commerce. Um, right. Yeah, the flow of commerce and really, and, and even the, the ranching, you know, we do have a lot of undeveloped property. And so they, they saw that it was a great mix. All right. We had developed community, big population. All right. Well, congratulations, Dan, on a successful 2023 legislative tour. Again, Dan Silva with the Rio Grande Valley Partnership brought down about 44 lawmakers and dozens and dozens of staffers for other lawmakers as well. Thank you, Dan. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. We welcome back president of UTRGV, Dr. Guy Bailey. And let's take a look at some of the spring enrollment numbers, Dr. B. What do you see for the semester? Well, we have a very strong enrollment and uh, we're up a, a more than 600 students over last spring. And as you know, the spring enrollment every year is down from fall enrollment because uh, we graduate shoot 2,500 to 3,000 students, somewhere in that range. And you don't admit many new students in the spring, but our enrollment is up quite a bit. Now, that's good news because what that means is that we are retaining more students. And our, our fall to spring retention rates is about 94%. And... Uh, we're really pleased with that, and uh, that means that our students are being successful. And this also, by the way, uh, is a great predictor of a really strong fall enrollment, too. So 
uh, our enrollment's going really well. We're real pleased with how things are developing. Edinburgh, Edinburgh and Brownsville, the combined number, how many tens of thousands yes. of students do we have in the system right now? Well, it's just under 30,000. Okay. And so, uh, and uh, again, that's a very strong spring enrollment, up a little more than 600 students. Congratulations on the Collegiate High School groundbreaking for McAllen. Tell us a bit more about that project with McAllen. Well, thank you. We're we're really pleased with that, and uh, uh, we think it will be a great addition uh, to the city of McAllen, to uh, to the school district, and and especially to UTRGB. And as you know, it's on the same piece of property where we're going to have the cancer infusion and surgery center, and uh, so these students, many of whom will eventually go into the medical profession, will have an opportunity to witness firsthand and uh, occasionally do some, uh, you know, tours and clinical work uh, in, in a place where we're performing work of the highest quality. Yeah, so, just across uh, the street. Yeah, it's right there on what we're calling the McAllen Medical Campus, and it, it, it's really uh going to be quite an addition. So we're very excited about that. Yeah, I think more needs to be said. Maybe you could flesh that one out a bit more, the, that cancer infusion surgery center, the medical school project there on campus. And, and I understand it's going to be full of fiber optic, uh, fiber optic cable and a very state-of-the-art uh, uh, acreage that, that we have there at, at uh, what is it, Pecan and Jackson? It is. Yes, we have about 30... 38 acres there between Pecan and, and Jackson on 495 and uh, on Pecan between Jackson and McCall. And uh, again, we'll have uh, eventually more medical buildings there. And uh, uh, that, that whole thing will eventually be built out as we expand our whole range of program developments as we continue yeah. to build a medical school and, uh, I mean, we need places for people to practice. We need clinics. And so I think you can expect to see a whole range of developments right there. And But, but these are the first two, and they will anchor either in the, the Cancer Infusion and Surgery Center on the east end of that property, the uh, Collegiate High School on the west end. And so you can, you can look at that as the two anchors, and over the next few years we'll begin to fill in the middle. Medical studies, is, is that one of the three, four uh, concentrations of study at the high school where the, these medical students, these kids will just be able to walk across the street and, and in the future do some work at that a cancer infusion that's surgery that's center? Right. That's exactly right. There will wow. be several other areas. Uh, education, you know, we're very concerned with producing the next generation of teachers. And one of the things that, that the school districts have asked us to do in all of the collegiate high schools is produce uh, 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 the next generation of teachers as well. So we'll be doing that there. And, and again, other majors as the, as the school district sees fit, we work closely with the school districts uh, on this. And this is a true joint project where, you know, we own the land, we jointly build a building. Uh, the first two years, the, uh, Students are in their ninth and tenth grade. They're taught by high school teachers who prepare them for college courses. In the eleventh and twelfth grades, they're taught solely by our faculty members. Now, they're, these are more than dual credit courses. These are 
Uh, and but the, they are, of course, dual credit courses, but they're taught by university faculty members. They're real university courses that differ uh, in no way from the courses we're offering on campus. And so uh, this is an educational opportunity that you can't find anywhere else in the state of Texas, not even in the wealthiest school districts. And so wow. uh, our our, our uh, Board of Regents really likes these projects, and uh, uh, our, the chairman of the board said we need them all over Texas. I think he's right. It it does offer students uh, a significant leg up on higher education, on their education generally. UTRGV President Dr. Guy Bailey, our guest. Your legislative priorities for this session, Dr. B.? Oh, we we always want the, the funding for, formula to to be increased, and you know we've had quite a bit of inflation. Though. You've experienced it when you've gone to the grocery store and the gas and filled up your your car or truck, and so we've had those same the same kinds of issues with inflation, especially as we build these new buildings. So we'd like uh, to see an increase in the funding formula. We need to uh, continue. Uh, uh, to preserve our uh, funding for the medical school, but also add funding for the School of Podiatric Medicine as we started up. That school is, has, has not reached, a, takes four years to reach full enrollment. And so we need some startup funding for the School of Podiatric okay. Medicine. And uh, we're also asking for money for cancer research and uh, to help run the Cancer Infusion Center. We think that what we will be doing there will be unique in the Rio Grande Valley and will enable students, not students, but everybody in the valley to get the kind of treatments that you have to go to Houston and San Antonio to get now. So we think that's a really nice project, and we're asking the legislature for some funding for that. Cancer Infusion Surgery Center is a unique partnership with which group, medical group in Texas? MD Anderson, yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. MD Anderson. And they have worked with us in every phase from the design of the project. Uh, They're helping us with the uh, hiring of faculty, the development of treatment protocols. That's the key thing. And and that's what you get that's unique when you go to MD Anderson. Their protocols for treatment, and they've been very helpful uh, to us in developing all those things. That's great to hear. When will it be up and running? We see all the earth movers, all the trucks working right now, but when when do we cut the ribbon, open it up? You know, we think it'll be finished by December of 2024, and uh, by the beginning of 2025, we hope to be fully operational. All right. And we noticed a, a headline in that we have already about 1,000 commitments for season tickets for the Vaquero football program. Uh, the kickoff is still about two and a half years away, so do you think we play this in Edinburgh, or is a a refurbished stadium in McAllen that new press box are building out there? I mean, do we still know? Do do we have an idea where we might be setting up shop for the football team? Because we still need more than just a thousand. Yeah, that yeah, it's a good question. We first of all, it's over thirteen hundred season tickets now. <laughs> They're growing, and and I encountered some people yesterday. And by the way, many of the season ticket holders are from places like San Antonio in Houston. Uh-huh. This is a, a crucial point to make. This will bring you know, our former students back in. It's a short drive from San Antonio. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're really pleased with uh, with not just our total number of season tickets, but where those season tickets are 
coming from. We're still in negotiations on the stadium, but okay. we hope to have that finalized pretty very quickly. And so, and, and uh, we think we think people will be very excited when we know we're excited, yeah. and we think everybody else. They'll be here before you know it. Hey, thank you, Doctor B. Success in twenty three, Doctor Guy Bailey, president of UTRGV. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Marv Esterly is director of Valley International Airport, VIA. And let's look back at the holiday season, Marv, and maybe 2022, as far as boardings and planements, revenue. How the season treats you? How twenty twenty two treats you overall, Mark? It was uh, it was really amazing uh, uh, the number of uh, passengers that we actually had in twenty twenty two. It was a new record for us, uh, over uh, four hundred forty thousand in plane passengers, uh, which is uh, just unheard of even before nine uh, or even before uh, the pandemic. Yeah, four hundred forty thousand. Where do they come from? How do where do they fly? What what happened? Well, it's, it's Southwest Airlines actually added a, a lot of flights into the market, a lot more seats in the market. Of course, that pulled uh, uh, passengers from all over the Rio Grande Valley. Um, so that was a huge uh, boost for us. Sun Country had started their season early. Um, in uh, They typically started in October. They started in September. Uh, so we had an extra month of uh, winter Texans coming down, which were amazing. They came down in droves. And, uh, you know, we're looking very much forward to uh, 2023, as uh, as you might have already heard, but Delta Airlines is coming back bigger than better with a larger main, mainline aircraft. So nice. winter Texans are definitely picking up. When does Delta begin its service or restart its service for us? They they actually start, they're starting the season a little late, uh, but uh, it'll be here during the peak of the season. Um, so, uh, they start uh, February 17th. Okay. I noticed... We always talk about boarding numbers, but we, uh, I don't think we ever talk about arrivals. Uh, are the boarding numbers both arrivals and people outbound, or is there a way to gauge who's coming to South Texas, maybe for the first time, uh, other markets? Yeah, we always talk about them plane passengers, people getting on the plane here at Valley International Airport, most airports too, um, and leaving. Of course, those passengers, most of those passengers do come back. Um, we typically do see in the Valley uh, more uh, outbound passengers, as we do have immigration traffic as well. Um, but uh, that's a few thousand a month. Um, but uh, overall, the most of the passengers that are coming, like leaving uh, the Rio Grande Valley are coming back. That was going to be one of my questions on the boarding numbers, the employments. With all these folks showing up at the mm-hmm. airport with those, you know, those folders and those orange packets, and they were just released by NGOs, and they do fill up planes. Do you think that maybe the record number at the airport uh, is due in part, uh, all these folks flying out of town released by Border Patrol? 
Well, there's there's no doubt that they have an impact. Um, probably at the other two airports uh, more than we do, um, as uh, they're closer to the border. Uh, but we do have our fair share. We're probably seeing you know anywhere from 100 to to 200 passengers um, daily um, from that. So. Yeah, that's always been there. Um, it's definitely an uptick, you know, in the last year. So that definitely did uh, impact those numbers. Marv Esterly, director of Valley International Airport (VIA). What you got going on as far as campus improvements or runway improvements, Marv? Well, things never stop at Valley International Airport. We have uh, the runway extension that we've been talking about so long is uh, finally under construction. Uh, that's a $30 million project uh, that's going to extend uh, the longest runway in the Rio Grande Valley by 1,100 feet. Uh, that will help uh, accommodate the larger wide-body aircraft that we have uh, with our cargo services. And that comes with a really interesting, it comes with a new ILS system, instrument landing system, on both ends of the runway that actually reduce the minimums and uh, will help us with uh, cancellations and delays um, due to inclement weather, like we had yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's really a, really good for the whole entire Rio Grande Valley as planes will not have to go back all the way to uh, Houston or Dallas. They can land at Valley International Airport. Nice. Uh, nice. We also have, uh, yeah, yeah, we also have uh, new parking improvements going on. The entire um, public parking area is being resurfaced as well as uh, it'll it'll actually, when completed, we'll have the first uh, covered parking. Uh, so when you park at Valley International Airport, you'll be, be able to protect your cover your car under uh, covered parking. So that's uh, that's really unique, and, and we're really excited to bring that to the people of the Valley, uh, as well as our VIP club. Our lounge upstairs in their concourse across from Gate 6 is uh, totally being remodeled, so, you know, bringing it up to standards, you know, having the, uh, the charging stations and everything in there. Uh, we're, you know, kind of acts the old fax machine and the printer, and no one utilizes those anymore, um, but uh, we, we made it more spacious and, and more modern. Um, so we're hoping that uh, that will definitely uh, serve the public better than what we had before. When do you fire up the new instrument landing system? Well, that comes, uh, of course, at the end of the runway. We have about a nine-month project um, to finish the runway extension. They're already cleared the area and uh, started putting up security fence. So um, we'll, in about a year, um, next year, we'll have the new instrument and landing systems. Does that provide you a recruitment opportunity to expand warehousing operations with, you know, those package delivery firms or maybe uh, other companies that need to fly in some heavier stuff? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, if you you know, we have FedEx and we have our DHL flying 767s in, um, that could open the door uh, for other uh, aircraft, larger aircraft, uh, with other cargo companies, uh, including Amazon in the future. So, you know, it's it's definitely uh, was uh, built uh, for the current traffic we have um, to improve their performance of the 767s taking off and landing at Valley International Airport. Uh, but uh, it definitely could, uh, you know, spur other development in terms of cargo traffic, heavy aircraft. Ten four, Marv Esterly, Director of Valley International Airport. Back to that parking lot, that covered parking lot. How many vehicles are going to be able to fit under those roofs? Oh, boy. Um, just about to, almost 300. I think it's like 250 or so um, spaces in close-in parking that will, be, uh, that will be covered, yes. Okay. On any given day, I've noticed a just ballpark figure – you probably have about 150 vehicles parked for folks who are traveling out of town there at VIA. So that's a pretty comfortable number to be able to fit them under that roof. Yeah, we probably have uh, twice that many in, in, uh, in peak season. 
That's um, true. Sitting, the you know, in, yeah. in our parking lots, it's, it's, it's pretty busy. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have that whole close in parking that uh, up towards the terminal building will uh, be entirely covered. So uh, we'll have plenty of spaces for people that want to park. All right. Covered. Sounds good. Let's uh, take a look. The inventory, the airlines that we have, who's providing service right now at VIA and who's coming? Well, we have Southwest Airlines, uh, our you know mainstay, uh, American Airlines, United Airlines, uh, to Sun Country, who was uh, flying seasonally uh, nonstop to Minneapolis, doing unbelievably well. Good. Uh, Delta now coming back. Uh, they, they said they wanted to pause their season during the pandemic because of pilot and crew. But we were really surprised to see them back, like I said earlier, come back with uh, bigger and better with uh, larger wide body main are not wide body, but larger narrow body uh, jets. Uh, so they're A320s. They sit about 165 passengers with dual cabin. When does Sun Country end its seasonal service? Yeah, Sun Country and Delta end their seasonal service in May. Um, but uh, remember, Sun Country does come back in uh, at the end of May, flying nonstop to Cancun for the summer. Marv, thank you for the update. We wish you success in 2023. Marv Esterly is director of Valley International Airport. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.